the presenting sponsor of On Education is Participate. As longtime proponents of social learning and cross-cultural community building, Participate invites you to explore virtual exchange and student leadership as Qatar Foundation International works to build meaningful connections to the Arab world. To become a member of QFI's robust community of educators, visit participate.com slash oneducation. On a scale of 1 to 10, how freaking exhausted are you right now? Because I'm like at 11. (laughs) Welcome to On Education, part of the On Podcast Media Network. My name is Mike Washburn. And I'm Glenn Irvin. Friends, we have an awesome pod for you today. We will debate whether Michael Jordan should be considered a great leader, discuss why it is so important to focus on mental health of both our students and educators, and our guests this week are Empaticos Veronica Vasquez-Ugalde and educator Adrian Britton. Still playing Minecraft. Nice. Steve Isaacs and I are playing Minecraft Hardcore on stream on the Game On stream, which is the 3 p.m. stream on the Participate channel. And he almost died today, and I almost had a heart attack. Hmm. He he ran into the house with, like, one heart left. Half a I heart. Like, <laughs> I was like, dude, he almost, he almost bit it. It would have sucked because, you know, I'm excited about it. I, 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 I've... Have you sorry, have you beat Minecraft like single player? Have you killed the Ender Dragon? Legitimately? With other people, yes. Yeah? But not on not on uh hardcore or anything. I was playing it on Xbox with my son. Okay. Yes. And my father in law. So there was three of us that that did it. But yes. Yep, single player. But not not hardcore, but still on regular mode i guess you want to call it okay so it does make a difference i mean as far as how quickly or easily you could potentially die um and that was also before they made up all all the different um additions where now there's a bunch of stuff at the end there's a bunch of different stuffs at uh, at the nether you know yeah so there's there's different items now and different things that you can go exploring and back then there wasn't the end was a very limited you know area arena with the winter dragon and so so on and so forth um but yeah no we did that i think i don't know how many years ago it was but yes oh fun i'm jealous yeah. so is I've that never, what you're going I've, for i yeah yeah i want to beat the game pretty bad too um but so if you beat it I'm, on hardcore that's a different level too because you, well, obviously you can't die <laughs> you can't die you can't die because if you die then you die <laughs> you die you're dead yes yep you don't that get sounds to come like back. A, that sounds like a yogiism <laughs> mm-hmm. that's what that sounds if you die you're dead <laughs> so we're streaming it i i would love to beat the game so hopefully we make it happen yeah um you could do it would it. be it would be a lot of fun for sure. It'll be a lot of fun. So, um, chat on education live is a thing, I think, officially. How many have we done now? This would be four. This number, yeah, three or four. Yep. I think it's been fun. Yeah, they're great. The great conversations in a different type of format. I like yeah. that other people can join in. 
uh, from the outside and ask questions or comment on things or even provide links to specific things or articles or whatever it might be. So it makes it, like I had said before on previous uh, episodes, that it makes it way more interactive. I guess that's the best yeah. part. Yeah. An actual conversation. Mm-hmm. Conversation between fun. us and then also us and our uh, anybody that listens to the podcast, which is fantastic. And we try to bring up, I mean, we have had a variety of different topics that we've been discussing. So that's kind of nice too. So it's not just the same topics or conversations. Um, we're trying to bring in different perspectives, different conversations uh, from our team. So that's fantastic. Yeah, totally, totally. I, I wanted to give a shout out um, this week to our friends John Fallon and Tobias Stabby, 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 Tobias sure. Stabby, um, who launched season two of the Good Game podcast um, just today. Um, so on the day we're recording, which is Monday. Um, and what's really also exciting about that is that um, I've been working with them through Participate uh to kind of level up the podcast a little bit so they got new music they got a new logo mm. and it's officially the podcast of the game-based learning community on participate so you'll you'll be able to uh listen to this this great podcast from two absolutely fantastic games-based learning kind of educators and then um head to the community on participate the game-based learning community uh which we will link for you in the show notes uh, and and carry on the conversation and have um a really good chance to learn uh from them and learn from each other um it's pretty exciting and it's a it's a decent podcast and those both of those gentlemen are just extremely knowledgeable not only in game-based learning, but just in education in general. And yeah. so if you want to listen to people who are, I believe, right on the cutting edge and are really uh, well-versed in all of the research behind game-based learning, this is these are the people. So if you're interested in anything that has to do with games and, and using them in education, for sure, I would, I would tune in. Yeah, they take they take pretty deep dives on that podcast. Like yes. like we scratch the surface and sometimes we we get into deep dives depending on the guest and 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 stuff like that, but they they really go into the weeds sometimes. Um which is, you know, if if you're into games-based learning and you want to learn more, that's the place to do it. So For sure. all the power to them. So I have a question. mm mm-hmm. Mhm. On a scale of 1 to 10, how freaking exhausted are you right now? Because I'm like at 11. <laughs> no um, joke, man. I'm trying to re-energize myself by doing things that are outside of my screen here um, and this microphone and, and calls and whatever else might be. So yeah, um, I I am working on a garden outside and it's it's labor, hard work. It's not. And it's no farm together, is it? No, it's not um, farming simulator nineteen or uh, Stardew Valley. <laughs> right. Those are pretty easy to do. Uh, digging up your own uh, garden is a pain in the butt, but actually very rewarding and getting me away from this because I think this is burning. This is definitely was it was and can burn me out as far as just constantly being connected and doing tons of online work is i think and i and i've heard other people say the same thing you know the zoom burnout kind of uh, thing i think is real i think going yeah. 
and getting away as much as you as you can. I mean, obviously, people are working their butts off and stuff, so you you can only do so much. Um, but that's been very helpful for me. So in the last probably two weeks, I've felt a million times better by just stepping away in middle of days and saying I can do that at some later point and doing something outside, even if it's just walking uh, or playing basketball with my uh, my sons, just doing something that's not connected here because otherwise I, I, I feel like I am going to have a meltdown <laughs> and and it will not be pretty when it, when it happens. It'll be a full all-out meltdown. So you feel pretty tired. You're on 11. I'm on 11. <laughs> I, I was yes. thinking I was thinking today about it because I, I was having a, a good conversation with someone that I work with about needing to disconnect and, and it's clear like I'm like most days I get started working at around 8, 8.30 and, and I haven't stopped most days until like nonstop. And I'm talking like not even like half an hour breaks. I'm talking like next meeting to the next meeting to close Zoom, open Zoom for the next meeting, close Zoom, open Zoom for the next meeting. I've been going like that. And then like lately with recording, like I'm recording like multiple podcasts at the moment. Um, you know, it's like Zoom to Squadcast to Zoom to Squadcast to Zoom, Zoom, Zoom. And it's like that from like eight in the morning until about five in the evening and mm. then there's usually like two or three evenings where i'm doing something too and it's just it's it's getting a little much and i was thinking about this after this conversation i had about me personally i think i need to go away to disconnect like i think mm -hmm. i'm going to need to like intervene on myself <laughs> at some point like i don't go to a cabin or something yeah go somewhere I, I, no got, I think access I've got to the to, internet <laughs> I think, and away from your cell phone. <laughs> yeah. Or something like, I That's think I need. just got to not be home. Um, so I'm going to start thinking about, you know, I'm pretty tied up from now until the end of June until the Minecraft podcast in particular is, is wrapped up in terms of the recording, um, which is generally speaking the end of June. Um, so I'm thinking like, Sometime in July, I'm probably going to take a week and I'm just going to like leave. I'm only laughing because that seems so damn far away. <laughs> in does, my mind, it's right. like when you when you just said, I'm going to go away, that meant like this weekend Next week. yeah, and no. I'm going to be gone for a while. It's like, no, in July sometime, it's like, damn, that's a long time from now. No, my my, dude, my freaking crops, my real life crops will be growing. <laughs> My digital crops will have been in multiple seasons of making me millions of dollars. No, my man, I got to grind it out for a few more weeks here at yeah. least. Yeah, oh, uh, it's just you got to take mini breaks much. then. So, um, one of the things I do appreciate about working at Participate is that um, they uh, we're, we're shutting it down on Friday, this Friday. So, whatever day that is, the twenty second. Mm -hmm. And also on the twenty fifth, so they've they've basically given everybody a four day weekend, good, um, and said you know for our celebration in the United States, <laughs> our yeah, Memorial Day, which I get to, which I get to, <laughs> like today's Victoria Day in Canada, Monday, mm. and and I had meetings all day, like it was yeah. not a holiday for me. Uh, this Canadian worked all day, folks. Um, but, uh, I will get Memorial day <laughs> sort of off, but even then, like I tried, um, to separate myself 
from like I, I blocked off my calendar. But before that happened, I, I got, well, I mean, we're doing our interview, hashtag marketing. We're doing our interview for the Minecraft podcast on the weekend of like this coming weekend, oh, I yeah. think. Yep. And I'm I'm doing the interview with Steve Isaacs on the 25th. And I'm doing an interview with Trish Cloud on the 24th. So yeah. it's like, I, I, no I still off. got like, let's go. Like, it's just going to, it's really hard for me right now to disconnect completely. But I think I need to, once I'm done this, like this little bit of like this power surge of activity, I've got to actually like step away mm-hmm. and, um, or I'm never idea. going to, I just, I'm just doing too much and, and I want to keep doing it. And, and I'm, I'm not practicing really good, um, stepping away skills. So if anyone has any ideas on how you disentangle yourself from your work, especially when you're passionate about your work and you like your work and you want to keep working, uh, but you know, it's not good for you. I could use that sort of advice. Mm. Um, stat. <laughs> so immediately. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like right away, please intervene. Um, hey, tell me about The Last Dance. I haven't watched this yet. I have not watched this. Uh, I mean, Michael Jordan, right? This is about Michael Jordan. Well, it's about specifically about the Bulls, the Bulls um, and the last year, hence the last dance that was deemed by uh, Phil Jackson. He's, he wrote it on a piece of paper. He knew that or on a little preseason playbook kind of thing and said, tell them, well, this is it. This is our, yeah, he was, he had a one-year contract and they said they were not going to re-sign him. Phil Jackson, I'm talking about specifically. Michael Jordan was contemplating retiring. Um, Scottie Pippen was, uh, they hadn't given him a contract. So everybody was basically, they felt it right at the moment. This was going to be it. So why don't we make it an amazing ending? And what they've done Mike, when you go watch this, since you are a person that you were young and spry in the 90s, uh, and so was I. <laughs> I was in high school through and early college uh, when the Bulls were dominant. And this is not just a recap of what happened from the first uh, early Michael Jordan years to, you know, obviously this last championship. All this footage that we've never seen before, it is freaking phenomenal. A whole bunch of footage of all kinds of things that has never been previously released that during the times they allowed a camera crew, especially during this last season, to be able to record some things. And for whatever reason, it was never released until now. And then now they do these basically kind of flashbacks to different moments of different things. And then they kind of focus some of the episodes on some of the characters. So there's one on like Dennis Rodman, for example, and kind of his journey and, and whatever happens, but it lets you see a side of Michael Jordan that man, it's freaking powerful. I mean, the guys, not only crazy Uber competitiveness, which we all knew that that was there, but his humanness too, about, how much he loved his dad and the relationship between him and his father. And then his father was uh, killed uh, just uh, ran in a random shooting and the media made up a story 
that it was a hit job because of Michael Jordan's uh, gambling debts. And so there's this whole series of things that's kind of happening that we may or may not have remembered as, you know, I was in my late teens to my early 20s during this time period. Uh, but not only that, but we don't know the whole story and kind of piecing it all together. And mm. the coolest part is that there's some discussions on Edu Twitter that are going on right now talking about uh, our good friend that teaches internationally in Dubai. What's his name? Jeremy Williams? Is yeah. It? Jeremy Williams posted a Twitter poll the other day on whether or not Michael Jordan was a great leader and mm. kind of also basically hinting, would you want a one of your administrative leaders, a principal, a superintendent, so on and so forth, to have that personality, basically? Was he a great leader? And then kind of a discussion back and forth. It's a great discussion because he is hardcore. I mean – to the ultimate edge of hardcoreness as far as competitiveness mm. and wanting to win. But does that actually make him a great leader, you know, and so on and so forth. So there's a really good discussion. Do we want that? Is that a healthy thing, <laughs> you know, as far as within the educational realm, as far as having this, having this personality where it's a, it's a personality that says, watch me, do everything that I can possible, kind of like what you were describing as far as your workload. I'm going to work as hard as possible to be able to achieve this goal, and you need to also do the same thing, <laughs> you know, kind of that personality. Yeah, yeah. And if you don't do it, not only will I call you out, but I will boot you off of this team. But even, you know, a lot of his teammates freaking hated him because he was crazy as far as crazy to win, you know, as far as crazy competitive to the ultimate edge, I want to win no matter what. So it's, it's, a, it's a really, really well done 10 episodes of it. And I put it right here. Uh, there's no sports going on right now. Friggin' doesn't matter. Every talk show that has to do with sports is talking about this show, which is funny because <laughs> it happened in the nineties. It already happened, you know, kind of that stuff. But sure. really the discussions are happening of like, wow, there's some powerful things that occurred, you know, kind of the whole thing of whether Michael Jordan was is the greatest player of all time, so on and so forth. But it really makes them relevant again. Also humanizes Michael Jordan. It humanizes uh, uh, Dennis Rodman, who I think is a completely an, an anomaly that people either hate or love. And in this, you can really, they really get a good feeling of, who this guy actually is and where he's actually coming from, you know? Oh, it's mm. so good. It is. I, I, I highly recommend it to anybody. I always thought there was this narrative of Michael Jordan being a big jerk. That's that's yes. the only that's the only narrative I ever remember hearing or reading about, especially recently. I don't know if it's come out in response to like I don't know. Um so but um so, um, what's his name? Uh, the hardcore history, the guy who does hardcore history, uh, podcast always yeah. says the, the, the greatest men are always bad men, you mm. know? So even like, like there's this kind of romanticized version of Alexander the great, for example, he's okay. the one who he brings up all the time. The guy was a like dumpster fire, like in almost every way. <laughs> He just happened to like win the wars, so he wrote the history. 
Mm. But like, I mean, butchering people across Europe and then like, I mean, and, and he's, you talk about the same, like Genghis Khan, who gets like, whose edges are completely softened in modern times. But, you know, uh, it's, it It was was basically genocide what Genghis Khan did to the Chinese Mm. and the Chinese don't forget that sort of stuff. They, they still, it still comes up all the time. Um, when people start talking positively about the Silk Road and all of this other stuff that are a result of the Mongolian Empire, they go, well, what about the fact that the guy slaughtered, you know, millions of Chinese, right? So that that's and, actually a really good point. I mean, overall, not the, the slaughtering of the Chinese, but just the overall <laughs> point of like historically or yeah. just in any general sense, do the greatest of men have to be bad? Like, or... Right slight tinge of evil because i'm thinking about like even our uh, our current president or if we go back just one president ago with obama you know what i mean like there's there, a really there's... good example actually in american history and that's harry truman hmm. right the president who helped lead america through world war ii also hmm. ordered a bomb to be dropped on nagasaki and hiroshima yeah i mean killing hundreds of thousands of people like i mean perspective that's a really tough decision and a lot of people have the perspective that it was a evil almost decision but you know that's it's it's conflicting but like it's a really good example he and you know if it wasn't for truman and the fact that he also then after the war basically you know, employed people like uh, Marshall and like the Marshall Plan and stuff like this to rebuild Europe, basically after it was completely devastated. Um, you know, Truman's presidency helped save Europe after the war, um, but you know, dropping atomic bombs is bad. Bombs, yeah, <laughs> right. And it's like you talk about Obama, and then you talk about drones, and you know, yes, that's what I was going to say. Is that there's some parts that. The whole picture, yeah, is not always as nice and shiny as it's complicated. Man. What we want it to go and be exactly. <laughs> so sometimes it's, a, it's a, sometimes every part of the picture is not as nice and shiny as it should be. <laughs> super super interesting. Uh, the idea of you know most of the great men are are were had to be bad men at sometimes. You gotta. Uh, I don't know how compatible That's why I think it we is. We need more to... women leaders. More women. Oh, in these there positions. it is. Yes, I agree. There we go. I agree. Well, and that is the case because I mean we know that that you know there there's definitely um, the the women decision makers of the world right now are are uh, there was an article I just read about how all of the all of the countries that are um, really doing well handling the pandemic mm. are uh, have women as leaders. New Zealand is the one that doesn't, gets cited all the time. Doesn't surprise me. <laughs> right, and it doesn't surprise me either. Um, so, you know, either that's... political party too. By the way, I would be I would be for either political party in the United States if if we had a woman. Um, and it's too bad we we couldn't even make it happen this time again. It's it's quite disgusting that once again we'll have another presidential election and there will be two white men that will be <laughs> heading, you know, running for the presidency. It's it's crazy. And yeah, man. it doesn't seem like, honestly, like there's an end to that, to the end to that cycle. So it's crazy. Wow. 
Yeah. Hopefully Biden nominates a good vice president and then has a I good presidency so. and that sets up that vice president to run for president and you know, so it really matters who the vice presidential nominee is. Uh I that's agree. for sure. Uh because that person is basically it has getting, to be a woman. That person I mean, is on, getting Biden. teed up to run. No, it has to it well, yeah. <laughs> it it has, has to come to on by he's promised yes. to make it okay, a woman. Good. So good good. We'll see. Uh, I suspect it's Stacey Abrams or Elizabeth Warren. Those seem like the two obvious hmm. choices. So we'll see which one. Or uh, what's the other one? Um, Kamala Harris. So yeah. those are probably the three. One, two, three. I don't know in what order. Um, it's funny. We talk about mental health almost every episode right now. Um, yes. It seems appropriate. Um, we even talk about on chat on education about mental health, about student mental health, about teacher mental health. Um, and, and, uh, you know, another article we'll put in the show notes, just reinforcing, you know, the same thing we've talking about, um, about, you know, really, really having an eye towards, uh, student mental health during the crisis. Right. Yeah. And I mean, really stepping up and reaching out to our students and making sure that we really do give them an opportunity to let us know as educators and as as you know counselors and social workers and so on and so forth to be able to to help them in in whatever ways we actually can um and i think a, I, there's a huge push for this and i think administrators and educators counselors social workers are all doing a fantastic job doing this exactly i've so much not only just talk about it but there's a lot of action going on with it Mm-hmm. The part that is interesting, though, too, Mike, and that's the part that really freaks me out is what you're describing at your work, I believe, is also happening to a lot of teachers. They're passionate mm-hmm. about their work. Mm-hmm. They love what they're doing, but there is a very it's very difficult to distinguish between what happens at school and doing the teaching job and what's happening at home. And there's it's. It, we're in unprecedented times in general, but that is a weird thing. Most people have never had even a, a, the time to be able to think through how am I going to distinguish between these two worlds? And we've been talking about these kinds of things, and I'm worried about educators, especially if this fall we start the year for the most part in a virtual environment in some parts of the United States. There's still going to be educators out there who are going to be doing what we're talking about, which is spending an excessive amount of time working, you know, because they already did it before, but at least there was an opportunity to be able to kind of like you drove home as you used to drive home when, mm-hmm. when you were teaching and you had a chance to kind of like decompress, listen to our podcast, <laughs> get home. And then there was like dinner and you could actually step away and then maybe do some, you know, some more grading or whatever else, but kind of final things but then you could put it off to the side, and then the next day, you're still at home. You get to do that, and you get to drive to work. And it kind of really puts that separation, even on the weekends. I feel like the weekends are blurring into weekdays so many times, and, and that's oh, what yeah. I'm hearing as far as all these conversations. And same, what you're describing it is a thing that's happening out there. And so I think it, it it's going to have a – if it's already not having a huge effect on our teacher's well-being and their mental health so we really do need to go ahead and and maybe bring on mandy again and and really have this conversation about how do we start this next year let's say mandy freilich to have a conversation how do we start next year 
and make sure that we set ourselves up for success for our own mental health, our own mental well-being. So that was a yeah. plug for Mandy. <laughs> we love talking to Mandy. We'll just talk to Mandy anytime. Yes. Um, and, and, you know, so you're talking about schools maybe starting in September um, remotely or blend in a blended environment, but there are schools that are opening in, I know. like, Texas. This summer. There's always something Soon. crazy going on in Texas, I tell you. And it's like, <laughs> I was born there. Uh, yeah. It's, well, there we go. It's, it's like its own country. Oh, wait. It was its own country. <laughs> so, Did I tell starting... you about this, Mike? Let no, me tell you something right. real quick. When I was uh, in middle school, I, I was in El Paso, Texas. And in middle school, uh, probably seventh grade, I don't know if they still do it this way as far as the sequence in order, but you took Texas history, right? Like there was a history of Texas that nice. you actually learned. And I, I swear to you, Mike, and I don't think it was just my mind kind of blurring this thing. I swear to God, that book was super freaking thick because the history of Texas is like a history of its own a, a country because sure. of so many different things, so many different uh, powers that be that wanted to go ahead and control the area, that did control the area, so many different clashes of different things that it's interesting that it's very conservative now i think it's really interesting being that it's a huge uh, mexican-american population that lived there that it used to be part of mexico that it's uh, a huge economy and and very uh, integral as far as the relationship between the united states and mexico the relationship between texas and mexico is super important Hmm. so it's interesting that in general that it's now one of the places where they're like we're opening it up (laughs) <laughs> we're forging forward. Maybe it's not. Maybe that's like a a Texas type of thing where you're like, we're doing this and it's gonna we're gonna be able to be successful with it. But they're gonna open this summer. Summer classes. Well, and we'll I think we we're gonna have somebody that was gonna do it. We might as well have someone do it at a large scale, maybe learn a lot of different things about what works and what doesn't work, and then maybe share it with the rest of us. I'm just sad that a bunch of summer school kids are going to be, you know, potentially vulnerable to getting this virus. So it it should be very interesting. I'm not surprised they are implementing, you know, uh, social distancing measures and doing some different things. And I think we can all learn some stuff from it, but it's maybe not the best way to experiment, you know, doing it, running yeah. an experiment with kids. Yeah, totally. So, <laughs> I mean, God help him. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. That's all I got. That's all I got. I could, I could, Texas, man, Texas. We got lots of Texas listeners, and I love you all. Um, but we do uh, love you I, all. I, and I'll tell you, I, I, you know, Texas you'll is be a on... big state, though. So it, there's a lot of diversity also in Texas. There's a lot of people uh, that are that 100% agree with us. So it's not just everybody's not crazy. Right. Right. <laughs> Not everyone in Texas is crazy. <laughs> Just the people making the decisions, I suppose. Um, hey, so listen, you go to a restaurant and the meal's not super good, and mm-hmm. you can, you know, you can cause a stink and get your money back. Yeah. And you you go to a dry cleaning place and you 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 bring your shirt in. It's got a stain on it, and they they you know they say ah we can get it out for twenty bucks, and they don't get it out, and you know you get your money back. Yes. generally speaking and that happens in a lot of places if something doesn't meet your expectations you get your money back or or at least to get a discount 
And this is what students are doing with their school, with their university. <laughs> Listen, they said, this year sucked. I didn't really learn anything. Yeah. And it didn't meet my expectations. And I paid a lot of money to come here. Yes. And I didn't pay a lot of money to come here and then sit at home and watch Zoom. I paid a lot of money to listen to or or meet with a a, a, a professor, a genius, someone who was usually an ex very you know strong at their at their field. Um, you know, I didn't pay for Zoom, so <laughs> you know they want their money back. Yes. So and I don't know if we have the, the time refund. to like. I don't know if we have the time to like. This is complicated. I don't know if we have yeah. the time to dig into it. But what do you, you know? My general feeling is, yeah, I empathize with the students. Yes, I, I understand what what they're talking about because number one, it's very expensive to go to a university, um, and this isn't what they signed up for. And mm-hmm. universities in the United States did actually, they canceled classes really early in this process. Remember that? Um, mm-hmm. Especially in comparison with public schools, they canceled very, very early and, and they sent their students homes for for the most part. And so wanting a refund for their tuition, I mean, it. I can empathize with you, though, you can still have the opportunity and you still did, obviously, to be able to earn your uh, college credits yeah um to be able to go ahead and pursue your degree and complete your degrees and so on and so forth it's an unprecedented time mm-hmm. so it's a time where i don't feel like that should be where they should be at in a way so i i can though i can empathize with them it's like really this is where we're headed they they did it the colleges did it to to make sure that you were going to be okay and safe. And they continue to go ahead and make decisions based on that. Um, this isn't, this wasn't ideal. We didn't want it to actually happen. People did the best that they possibly could. Um, you know, like our, our, our good friend, Connor crop, who is a university student at, uh, yeah. and he's a, a, I believe he's a junior. He may be a senior already, but he, no, he's a junior. And he said he hated it. And that yeah. he takes communication classes and that this is not, this can't be emulated. What they did in, at school, at the university, can't be emulated on or simulated on a, um, in an online environment, at least not in this mm. kind of, you know, quick turnaround. So I can, I can definitely see that. And I think it's a good discussion and maybe we should bring on some college uh, university experts. You know, Dave Blanchard works at a university um, we know some other university people and maybe even some college students. That would be cool to have both of them on there and kind of have a discussion about, you know, should they get their money back? <laughs> discussion or Hunger Games? Both. <laughs> Except it's virtual Hunger Games, so it's not as hardcore. <laughs> it's certainly the stakes would be a lot lower. Well, that's yes. that's good. Yes. yes. Um when we come back, we're going to spend some time talking about empathy and about what one company, Empatico, is doing to help educators uh, during this time teach empathy and uh, reflect it in their practice. 
GoGuardian helps thousands of K-12 school districts maximize the learning potential of over 8 million students. GoGuardian's products enable productive and safe digital learning by helping educators identify learning patterns, protect students from harmful and distracting content, and support mental health. To support schools during their distance learning transition, GoGuardian is offering free access to their entire product suite until the end of the school year. To learn more about GoGuardian and download their free resources about distance learning, visit their distance learning resource center at goguardian.com slash distance learning. Welcome back to the podcast. Empatico connects educators, helping them to share the perspectives and ideas of other students from around the world with their students. Joining us on the podcast today are Empatico's Veronica Vasquez-Ugalde and teacher Adrian Britton. Welcome to On Education. Thanks so much for having us. So Veronica, I can imagine there are a number of our listeners who aren't aware of Empatico, what you do and how you do it. Before we get started, I think we should start with the basics. Tell us a bit more about Empatico. Thanks, Glenn, of course. Um, so Empatico is and was originally conceived as this video conferencing tool that allows teachers to connect their classroom to other classrooms around the world with the support mm. of um research-based activities that were specifically designed to foster curiosity, meaningful connections, and empathy among students who are 6 to 11 years old. Um, these activities that I'm referring to are basically like lesson plans that really focus on four things, allowing children to recognize similarities with each other, share personal stories. Of course, you know, if we think about friendships, really sharing those personal stories, it's what really sparks connection. Um, appreciating differences and practicing perspective taking and empathy skills with one another. Now, I say we, it was originally conceived at this because, needless to say, that this whole COVID thing has really thrown a wrench mm -hmm. in it all and ca caused us to rethink what the classroom is. I don't think when 2020 started, any of us thought the classroom, as we had thought about it for years, would cease to exist for months or who knows how long. So we've recently started to rethink Empatico as Empatico at home and bringing home-to-home -home connections into the mix, which really put caregivers as the facilitators of exchanges. And instead of it being classroom to classroom, it now becomes a more intimate experience where kids can connect with other families and it could be one-to-one -one or two-to-one, um, but it's much more um, intimate and facilitated by the parent or caregiver. So empathy, along with social-emotional learning, it seems to be the topic that educators, administrators, that we're all talking about and really honing in on these days. Uh, not that it hasn't always been important, but really now, as you just described, as far as with COVID, we're really uh, diving deep into it. Yeah. So Veronica, uh, how about what exactly are we talking about when we talk about empathy? Yeah, that's a, that's a really good question. I feel like when we think about empathy, we all have this kind of great definition in our head and it's good to put mm. some concrete um, definitions behind it and what research has been showing lately is that empathy is not just this one single skill it's more like a three-dimensional skill um, the first part of that is emotional empathy um, that's i like to think of it as like the emotional contagion when we're talking and you feel sad i might feel some of that sadness and when you're super excited i feel that excitement and joy with you Mm -hmm. um, you kind of catch each other's feelings. That's the emotional piece. 
The second part is the cognitive empathy piece. It's the mental process of taking somebody else's perspective. I think a lot of us use the phrase putting ourselves in somebody else's shoes, but I like to challenge that idea a little bit. And Mm -hmm. it's not just stepping into somebody else's shoes, but really trying to understand the person as a whole. What makes that person see the world as that? What factors influence the way they think, the way they feel? Um, So it's a more wholesome perspective on an individual and trying to understand them. And then the last part of empathy kind of combines emotional and cognitive empathy together and puts it into action. It's behavioral empathy. So it's really taking that understanding and the feelings that we've gathered from our conversations, our interactions with the other person, and using that to inform a way that we can help that person in a way that benefits them. Um, I recently read an article in the Greater Good Science Center, which if you haven't um, visited, I highly recommend. Um, and one of the empathy experts they were interviewing mentioned that um, we often say, do unto others as you wish others um, do to you. But empathy is kind of challenging that. You don't want to do as you would like to do to you. It's really all about the other person. It's like, what are their tastes? What are their needs? What are their experiences? So it's really mm-hmm. taking you out of that equation. So, Adrian, educators are bombarded with learning goals and targets and standardized tests. And um, in Ontario, so you're you're an Ontario educator. Um, you know, collective bargaining <laughs> was was like dominating teachers' lives for the better part of the last school year. And, and now, uh, pandemic teaching. I mean, 2020 has been pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, so, why in the midst of all this teaching, all, you know, teaching core competencies, talking about math and language and science. Um, why is it important to uh, develop or have students develop empathy? Well, I think it's super important um, that students develop empathy because it it allows them to create a strong sense of security within their community. So I think that's one really important thing. Um, and it promotes a really strong relationship with other students and other educators. And it, that just that in itself positions them um, really well just for learning. Without that in itself, learning can't really occur. So... Um, I also think empathy really encourages tolerance and acceptance of other people, and it promotes good mental health and well-being. So I think it's really like uh, everything that they're experiencing in the world right now really um, thrives on their understanding of empathy and, and, and how they're going to use that to help other people right now. And, and I mean, we live in, uh, you and I both live in southern Ontario, which is like an incredibly... Um, diverse part of the world one of the most diverse parts of the world uh that there is in fact and so um i would think that empathy would be big in your classroom teaching in toronto and really in southern ontario for the idea that you know um you you have all of these students and different perspectives and religions and points of view and and upbringings um you kind of got a little bit of everything in in the in the toronto area don't you yeah absolutely and if you're talking about well right now um a major thing that's happening like we're talking always talking about systemic biases and oppressions and systemic oppressions and racism and that kind of stuff and unless you look at that from really like an empathetic lens like none of those big topic issues are really going to get resolved you know unless you have that understanding of empathy so sure 
Absolutely. And so what are the results? Because that's the other thing that even administrators are going to want to be looking for. Your principal is going to want to know, well, if you're not spending time teaching math, um, please let us know how it's actually like, like what is coming out of this? You know, we can point to test scores and grades and report cards um, for, for kind of these core uh, courses, but what are you gaining here when you're focusing on empathy as part of your teaching? One, so the project that we did last year um, with Empatico was based on the global goals. And um, the the kids would, through certain lessons that we would provide the kids, we uh, the kids would de- develop um, an action plan to um, address one of the needs of the global goals. And so we use the design thinking process with the kids. And like I said, empathy is at the core of that process. And the kids ended up coming up with um, uh, projects that um, like that would uh, address the needs of climate change or that would address the needs of zero poverty um, or zero hunger. And so um, their understanding of the world grew through this program and grew through their understanding of other people's perspectives because um, Empatico allowed me to connect with other teachers around uh, the world. So I ended up doing this project with um, two classrooms in the United States and one classroom in the UK. And so having the kids do this program with other kids and then to get their perspectives on their ideas was very important. So um, that was really uh, a really good experience for the kids. I so think. Veronica, I don't know if you remember right at the beginning of this pandemic, Pandemic, um, at least on social media, and it felt like just teachers in general and schools really were making a huge effort to make sure that we met the needs of our kids as far as making sure that they were well fed, you know, like uh, school lunches and making sure that we delivered things and, and making adjustments to those types of things. And then I think there was a switch where we realized, hey, there's a lot of things going on in people's homes and job losses and all kinds of other issues that we sometimes, frankly, aren't exactly aware of of what's happening at home. And now the students are at home all the time. And so we knew that there was a need to provide at least something as far as social emotional learning is concerned. So at a time like this, how important is empathy? Um, As far as I can see it now, especially being discussed a lot as far as on, on in edu twitter and and those circles um but maybe not as far as all school districts as far as putting it a priority on it especially during these times yeah that, that's a great point and i agree i think empathy now is more important than ever i see it as kind of this glue that really in times of physical distance keeps us genuinely and deeply connected and understanding the needs of one another, whether that be, you know, from the teacher perspective toward parents or from students to teachers sometimes as well. Um, In so many directions, it's so important to really understand that we're all going through a lot. We all have stuff that we might not know of each other. You know, sometimes we don't know if a parent lost their job or if a teacher is having a really bad day because they're managing 30 students in one classroom, all doing remote learning. So empathy is just really important to kind of keep us grounded in, you know, we're all going through this shared experience, but the results of that shared experience are different for each and one of us. And that empathy helps us understand that. Um, This is also a really 
you know, unique moment. I think, you know, especially for younger generations, I, it's really astonishing that we all have this really similar and shared experience across the globe. Yes. And, you know, one of the things we try to do at Empatico is that, you know, what I mentioned in the activity, recognizing similarities as like a starting point of building relationships. And this is a huge historical shared experience that we are all experiencing. And again, I think it's so important to even talk to kids, like, even if this is what we're experiencing at home, it might be very different in another home, in another community, in another country, and so on and so on. So we can start conversations about really understanding others. And in line with that, I think, at least from my perspective, I've heard a lot of talk and desire to help others during this time. You know, we all, we all like, what can I do for my community? What can I do for my neighbor? Um, and despite the best intentions always being there, empathy is really the key to making sure that our help is what it needs mm. to be in terms of what those we're aiming to help need and not what we think they need. Um, so I see empathy as really critical now more than ever because we don't want to be offering help that's not really useful for some people. Um, I can give a really superficial example, um, but I think it illustrates it really well. For my job, I am in meetings four to five hours a day on Zoom mm. all the time. And I'm, I've had rough weeks, I've had good weeks, but I'm exhausted, I'm drained from Zoom. Um, and I'm sure a lot of people can relate to that. And I have family that wants to connect and wants to show support and like be connected. And they're like, let's like jump on FaceTime over the weekend. Um, let's um, wanna like, like hang out, let's catch happy hour over FaceTime. Yeah, but no. I personally, I am drained, uh, I cannot no. take it. <laughs> um, so that's like one really simple example of like, it's the best intentions, but I personally, that's not what I need mm -hmm. to kind of feel better and re-energize. So I think we can see that a lot happening it's, nowadays. It's funny, we've talked on the podcast a lot about how unique every person's experience is in this. It's it's never, like, even though we are in a shared experience of pandemic learning and working from home, everyone's specific yeah. situation I is saw, completely different. I saw a quote on, I think on Twitter it was actually, it said, we're not all in the same boat, but we are on the same yes. ocean. <laughs> Something mm -hmm. like that. <laughs> really, it really, I really related <laughs> to it. Uh, that's so a I good just, quote. I, I actually want to add to this because um, right now I was really thankful that Empatico has, has introduced me to some other people. Like I said, I'm with uh, the, the class in the United States right now. And because the, we started using design thinking to address one of these issues of the global goals, we've kind of actually um, switched our, we've pivoted our um, focus right now. And just like we were talking about all of the kids, I wanted to change um, their sort of um, hmm. anxiety into agency. And so we've changed the focus hmm. from the global goals um, and uh, addressing one of those needs. Well, we're still addressing our global goals needs, which is um, good health and well-being. But um, now all the kids want to focus on doing a business that will help other kids deal with the anxieties of um, COVID-19. And so I have three different teams going on. And one of the teams is doing... Um, videos to help they're called co-video that's their team name and they're doing videos that will help little grade um, ones and kindergarten kids understand the severity oh, of, of covid without actually scaring them they want mm. to do puppet shows and stop mo motion animation i have another group who wants to do um 
sketching videos for kids of all ages and all levels. And then I have the third group who wants to do videos for grades like four and five kids to keep them the, like a boredom buster kind of videos. And they're going to be on all different topics. But this all, again, comes from like a place of empathy and them, them wanting to do something because they're really like powerless right now if they think about it, right? They're stuck at home. They're with their parents. They can't go out. So they feel powerless. So this gives them like a sense of of uh, agency and and they can do some change and some good in the world so and, and and adrian we we know our students can tell the difference between educators with empathy that are working from a lens and viewing this through an empathetic kind of viewpoint viewpoint and those that aren't um, you know, and we've seen it on Twitter and we've seen it everywhere else where there's the teachers that are like, you need to hand in your assignments on time and there no, no eating during zoom and like, just like crazy stuff like that have that are clearly showing absolutely no understanding for this idea that kids perspectives are unique and every, everyone's home life is completely different. Yeah. And, and the teachers that just get it, they mm-hmm. get it. And probably also because they're going through it too, and I mean, um, you know, Glenn and I are 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 both cla- we're both classroom teachers. It makes a huge difference to your kids to be in a, when you're in a crisis like this uh, for them to see that you're teaching with empathy, right? Mm-hmm, absolutely. And I think um, it's important to model empathy all the time, right? That's sure. the only way that they're going to understand it is if you model it, right? And I think we also for- right. forget a lot of times mm-hmm. we're social beings and mm-hmm. for learning to occur, like our relationships need to be at their best. And, you know, teachers being there for students right now might be the best way for them to learn. And they are getting something out Veronica, of that. Veronica, I was wondering, what exactly is Empatico doing during this time to make teachers ideas more accessible to educators or you guys ideas to make it more accessible mm-hmm. to educators who can use guidance on teaching and learning about empathy yeah. specifically yeah yeah we have a couple of things going on um so as i mentioned as a response to covid we launched this broader like empatico at home umbrella and within that we have the home to home connections which in and of itself have like caregiver resources and um, tips and guides to guide to having those interactions at homes, which I think it's very useful because they're very practical tips for bringing empathy to life in those interactions. And of course, those are available to caregivers and or teachers, um, et cetera. Another thing about around Empatico at Home is what we call empathy hours. These are like virtual meetups that happened every two to three weeks, more or less. And the idea is that we want to create a community of educators and caregivers now who are the new educators to come together and have a space to talk with each other, share resources, share how they feel, share their challenges, their tips. And each session, um, we have different topics as they relate to COVID. So the first session we had was around well-being. So we talked more broadly about adult well-being, kind of touching on what Adrian said, you know, we have to model things for our, for our children and students. You know, when they see us doing it, they'll be more um, enticed to do them themselves. Um, then we had another session around how can we empower local communities ourselves and then build up to having global communities to share knowledge, share support. Um, and then the last one that we had this, I lose track of time last week, um, was around home-to-home mm-hmm. connections. And we had 
uh, three caregivers who are also Empatico educators share the experience and tips around how to do these at home and what works for them and what could work for other caregivers trying to do the same at home. So really what we're aiming to do is to kind of create a space where we can all learn together. The reality is that this is unprecedented uh, times, uncharted territory for all of us. So we really just want to use this as an opportunity to learn together. And then more statically, um, something that's been around, uh, that's existed for a little bit, and we still offer it for free, is our professional development course, which is actually hosted on Participate. Um, This professional development course was created around the idea that students indeed learn a lot of their social skills, particularly empathy, by modeling what they see in their role models. So it's a five-course series that starts with helping educators build more self-awareness around the things that affect how they relate to others. So identity, biases, stereotypes, all that stuff. So once we have that self-awareness, then we can turn to teaching concretely empathy and other social awareness skills to students. So the latter part of the course now, which includes exercises to be done in the classroom, has to be rethought a little bit so that we can apply it to the new context. But the content is free yeah. and it's there. And I think mm-hmm. it's still really relevant. And we're going to be thinking about how we can make it the exercises doable now and then this new time. So where time. can people go to learn more about Empatico? You gave us a couple of websites, but you can go ahead and repeat it again. And also, where can our listeners connect with both of you guys as far as on social media or wherever else? Yeah, so to get more about Empatico, it's empatico.org. Everything is there from our blog, our Empatico at home, and regular Empatico. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter. I recently joined the Twitter game. I was very hesitant for a while, but it's <laughs> Veronica and <laughs> yeah, MBU. Welcome. Um, yeah, so I'll be there as well. Um, I'm at, uh, at Miss Britain One. I wanted to mention that if you go to participate.com slash on education, um, you'll actually see a link to the Spark Empathy community on uh, with Empatico. Uh, so if you, yeah, go to on uh, or participate.com slash on education and you can uh, check out everything that Empatico is doing on Participate, which is awesome. Um, Veronica and Adrian, thanks so much for your time today. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening to On Education. My name is Glenn Irvin. My co-host is Mike Washburn. On Education is part of the On Podcast Media Network. You can listen to this show and many others by great educators like Monica Burns, Mike Matera, Tisha Richmond, and many more by visiting onpodcastmedia.com. Want to get in touch with us? Check out our website at oneducationpodcast.com. You can tweet us at oneducationpod. Mike is at Mr. Washburn on Twitter. And I can be found on Twitter at Irv Spanish. You can find us on Facebook by visiting facebook.com slash oneducationpod. We're also on Instagram at oneducationpod. If you're enjoying the show and think others would too, we would be thrilled if you shared it with them. Please leave us a rating or review in Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts. When you leave a rating, it gives our podcast rankings a boost. This helps others discover the show. We want to thank our presenting sponsor, Participate, for supporting us. Check out Participate.com to learn more about them. Thanks, as always, for listening. Stay awesome and see you soon.